This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. It's good to be back at the Ark. I have loved every time I've been here. And I've always talked about this church as the only church I know that has blankets. How many of you have a blanket on tonight? Tonight would be a good night to have a blanket. But you know what? I, and I don't say, anybody ever have parents that said, well, when I was young, you know, I had to walk 12 miles. to you know, So I don't want to do that. But uh, not last Sunday, I was in Portland, but the Sunday before that, I was preaching in Fairbanks, Alaska. And it was negative 36 degrees. And the pastor told me, he said, yeah, he said, it doesn't hurt church attendance until it gets 40 below. He said at 40 below, that's kind of when it begins to affect our attendance. So anyway, that made me feel kind of like a sissy. But anyway, um, we were supposed to fly out this morning from Tulsa. That's where Lisa and I live. And uh, yesterday was my wife's birthday. So we were going to have a nice birthday dinner last night. And, uh, but we had snow and ice coming in at midnight. So we caught a flight last night. And um, so uh, anyway, we came in and all the flights were shut down this morning out of Tulsa. So we are glad we made it. Uh, But we are delighted to be here. And we love your pastor and Miss Joy. Aren't they wonderful? You guys have outstanding uh, pastors. And I love all your, the team, the leaders, all the workers. You guys just have such a wonderful, wonderful church. I want to share uh, something with you, and I'm going to, Pastor Alan mentioned that I'd written some books, and I want to give away a book. Uh, This is our most recent book. It's called Lift, Experiencing the Elevated Life, and it's really about resurrection, because I believe very strongly that that the resurrection uh, is not the basis for just a holiday, but it's the resurrection is the basis for life and power every day. And, um, but what I'm going to do to give this away, we're going to have play a little game question type thing. And I'm going to show you a picture in a minute. (laughs) Instead of, instead of giving it away, I don't have it anymore. No, um, I'm going to show you a picture and the first, and I realize several people may call out the answer, but it's the first person I see or hear whatever. And, um, no pressure. But I did share this message in Portland on Sunday, and I did show this picture in Portland on Sunday and asked, what is it? And within about one second, a 16-year-old boy named Chris nailed it. And I couldn't, I I asked, how did you tell what that is? Because to me, it's kind of hard to tell what this picture is. So it's kind of a guessing type game to start with. But he identified a certain trait in this picture and it told him exactly what it was. So whoever gets this right, uh, you know, and here, let me tell Pastor Allen what it is. Okay, so he knows what it is, so he'll get it right. No, I didn't tell him anything. I I whispered nothing. So let's go ahead and show the picture, and let's see who can tell me what it is. Obviously, it's an ancient sculpture. It's badly, you know, decayed over the years. No 16-year-olds here named Chris. Does anybody want to take a guess? You know, that's, you're getting there for sure. But it, what is the person doing or, okay, who said shepherd? Somebody said shepherd right here. Okay, there you go. That is, thank you, good job. 
that is, now that, go ahead to that second picture there, the second picture where it's not uh, badly decayed, because that's a much more, uh, the first picture I took in Israel in uh, Caesarea Maritime, this picture I took in Rome in the Colosseum, and either that is just a tremendously well-preserved picture of a shepherd holding a sheep, or it's a, a, replica, a reproduction type of thing. But I don't know about you, but this picture to me is really moving because uh, this was really the earliest symbol of Christianity. The earliest symbol of Christianity was not the cross. Because in their mind, the cross was an instrument of death and torture and, you know, just like you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't walk around with a little figure of an electric chair around your, you know, <laughs> neck on a necklace. Because that's what it was. It was an instrument of death. Um, so it wasn't until a bit later that they began to use the symbol of the cross. Uh, but the picture of a, uh, a shepherd holding a sheep was their symbol of Christianity. And when I see that, there's something really, to me, tremendously, because I think, you know, the Bible talks about us as being sheep. The Bible talks about Jesus being the great shepherd. You know, the term that we use for the leader of a church is the pastor, which is the word shepherd. And um, so we have the great shepherd, and then we have representatives of Jesus leading our churches, you know, human shepherds, pastors of churches, to me, it's just one of the most beautiful pictures in, uh, that, that we could ever imagine, to think especially about Jesus carrying us when we need to be carried. And I want to talk to you tonight, just a real simple message about, uh, from Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Very, very simple message. And, and let's just pop up the words on the line. Let's just read this together, because to me, uh, this is just so good to read. Read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Now, I don't know what you would call that, but when I read that today, I think, you know, that is what we would call a, a, a positive affirmation, a faith confession, a declaration of faith. But that's such a, a beautiful thing. And some of you that suggested, you know, that was David was really a good idea because David himself was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. Abraham had been a shepherd. And then Jesus comes along and he calls himself the great shepherd. And that was really a part of their everyday life, you know, in, in biblical days. The idea of a shepherd uh, with his sheep. And, you know, today, the 23rd Psalm, what do you most associate the 23rd Psalm with? Funerals. 
Isn't it most often heard, especially on television, if they're going to show a scene of a funeral taking place, they're all out by the, the graveside and the minister is reading the 23rd Psalm. And hey, nothing wrong with that. I mean, the 23rd Psalm is perfect. You know, how comforting and encouraging that Psalm is. But what we need to understand is that the 23rd Psalm is not really just a Psalm about dying. It's a Psalm about living. It's a psalm about life. Uh, when, when David said that God prepares a table for him, even in the presence of his enemies, there are no enemies in heaven. The 23rd psalm is a psalm for here, for our journey, for our sojourn here on this life. And, um, you know, I think when we think of the 23rd psalm, I don't know if you do or not, but when you think of Jesus as the shepherd, and you think of, you, of yourself as his sheep. Do, do you get a picture like this? Let's look at the next picture. Is that how you picture yourself? Isn't that cute? Isn't that adorable? I mean, that sheep, he's clean. His, his wool is just right. And note, he's right on the path, you know, right where he's supposed to be. You know, isn't, that, isn't that how you picture yourself? How many of you think you're cute and adorable? And you're right where you're supposed to be, that type of thing. But you know what? A lot of times when the Bible refers to sheep, it's not always in the most positive of terms. Not always. Now, Jesus talked about a shepherd who had 100 sheep, and 99 of them did the right thing, but one of them did what? Wandered off and got lost and what did Jesus say about the shepherd? He said, well, you win some, you lose some, you know, let's carry on. No, what did that shepherd do? He, he left, he made sure his 99 were safe, and then he went in search of the one and rescued it. And the Bible says when he rescued it, he had so much joy over the one that had been lost but now was found. And somebody might say, well, it doesn't make sense to leave 99 and go searching for the one. And it doesn't make much sense unless you're the one that's lost. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, we've got it on the screen. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. How many of you know that sheep sometimes say, man, they don't stay on the path like that cute little picture of you? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53. Don't, not, we're not going to look at it now, but take time. Maybe look at that tonight or tomorrow morning. Because that's the great uh, chapter. 750 years before Jesus was even born. It describes how that God took all of our sin, your sin and my sin, and put it on Jesus on the cross. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. How many of you remember the old hymn? Do you remember the old hymn? Um, what's it called? Uh, the title of it is uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Do you remember that? It's kind of a beautiful hymn, kind of majestic. And it says, Jesus sought me when I was a stranger. I was wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger interposed or interjected his precious blood. And it says, 
It says prone to wonder. Prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the, one, the God I love, but here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And there's a part of me when I read that, when I think about that old majestic hymn, part of me wants to say, oh no, that's not me. I'm not prone to wonder. I'm not prone, I don't want to leave God. And you know what? That's the heart cry of our spirit, the part of us that is born again, the part of us that is a new creature in Christ. But how many of you know you're more than spirit? How many of you have flesh to deal with? How many of you sometimes your flesh gets a little agitated? And you know, if, if we don't manage, and well, the Bible even says those that are Christ's have crucified the flesh. But if you let your flesh rule your life, you will be prone to wonder. Because the flesh wants to do its own thing. The flesh wants to go its own way. And, 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 and here's the deal. None of us have stayed on the path perfectly. All of us have gotten off the path at one point. That's why Isaiah said, he, he said, all we like sheep have gone astray. Now let's look at another verse in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 25. 1 Peter 2, 25. Peter in the New Testament says, for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. How many of you are glad you could come back? How many of you are glad that God never closes the door on you and never says, well, you know, you wandered away, so I'm never going to let you come back in? How many of you know God's a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances? I'll tell you, it pays to stay on the path because God's way is always better. But aren't you glad because of what Isaiah said, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all? Aren't you glad that because Jesus took our sins on the cross and because Jesus rose from the dead that the, the path is always open to God? He said, come unto me, all ye that labor, and I'll give you rest. Now, you remember that picture of the cute little lamb? Remember the cute little lamb? And, and I think we want to see ourselves that way. And that's okay if you see yourself that way. Maybe that's exactly how God sees you. But you'll only look like that if you really stay close to your shepherd. You know what happens when sheep really get away from their shepherd? I, I want to tell you the story. And this is, well, I started to say it's a true story, like some of the things I have said that haven't been true. No, it's all true. Everything I've said has been true. But this is true too. There is a sheep in New Zealand. And this sheep uh, was part of a fold, part of a flock. And it literally wandered away from the flock. Sheep are prone to wander. And it got lost. And you know what? The shepherd looked for it and looked for it and looked for it. But the shepherd couldn't find it. Because this sheep, maybe a little bit more clever than the normal sheep, it found a cave. And it hid in the cave. And it stayed in the cave. And I'd come out for water, a little grass. and that. But it, it basically lived in the cave for six years on its own without a shepherd. 
Here, this is how a sheep looks when it hasn't been regularly under the care of a shepherd. Let's look at it. I showed that picture to Pastor Allen today and he said, man, he didn't miss any meals. But, but in actuality, in actuality, that sheep was not fat. You know what that is? That is 60 pounds of excess wool. This sheep had not been properly cared for. And this sheep, and, and, and they, the, the people in New Zealand that took and, you know, shaved all this stuff off, when they weighed it, it was 60 pounds of wool, and they said it was enough wool for, for a, a full-grown man to get 20 suits, a suit coat, suit slacks. Now, here's what I want to talk about. Sheep, you know, I... I believe, and I believe we should love our animals and care for our animals and things like that, but, but sheep produce wool not really for their benefit. I think God gave sheep the ability to produce wool for our benefit so that we could have some nice clothing and things of that nature. That's just my opinion. And when a sheep wanders off and is lost in a cave for 60 years, it's not yielding, it's, it's uh, what is produced from its life. No one else benefits. And I believe if we're going to draw a little parallel here between natural sheep and us as sheep, not only do sheep produce wool for somebody else's benefit, but you know what? As the, as the sheep of God, as the children of God, I believe there are things that are supposed to grow out of our life so that other people can benefit. And if we're off in isolation in a cave, nobody else is benefiting from what is supposed to be the fruit or the production that is supposed to come from our life. Now, can we, could we show that picture of Shrek one more time? The, the one of him looking. That, that was his name, by the way, Shrek. I forgot to tell you that. This is Shrek, the sheep. Now, that's what he looked like when they found him but let's go to the next slide. Oh, that is tender. That's what he looked like after they, they call it shearing the sheep. And it doesn't hurt the sheep, but it produces wool for somebody else. And the same is true for our life. When we're with the shepherd, uh, we're properly cared for, uh, and, and the things that are produced from our life uh, help and benefit somebody else. What I want to do tonight in the next 10 minutes, and you may think this is impossible in 10 minutes, but it's really going to happen. I want to walk you through the 23rd Psalm. There's only six verses in the 23rd Psalm. And I want to tell you that when we are with our shepherd, the 23rd Psalm gives us 12 different things that happen in our life when we stay close to the shepherd. And the reason I'm saying this is because I believe there are people who receive Jesus as Savior who never really follow him as shepherd. Do you know that some people, when they hear, now if you just pray this prayer, you'll go to heaven. 
And, and I'm all for faith in Jesus, but how many of you know that having a relationship with God, it may start with a simple prayer, but how many of you know that walking with God is just more than praying an initial prayer? The initial prayer is like an introduction. It's like a greeting, hello, it's, it's, a, it's a, a beginning of a relationship, but it doesn't constitute the full continuation of the relationship. So what I'm saying is it's wonderful to initially receive Jesus, and that may happen through a prayer, but, but having Jesus as your shepherd is not really an event, it's a process, Having Jesus as your shepherd is a lifelong process of following him, listening to him, paying attention to him, obeying him. It may start with that simple prayer and thank God for that initial prayer when we receive Jesus as Savior, but he wants to be more than our Savior. He wants to be our shepherd. So I'm going to tell you this is going to go so fast uh, there are 12 things that happen when we receive Jesus as our shepherd. Number one is we come into provision. Provision. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, Jesus isn't interested in, in robbing you, taking away from your life. Jesus wants to add to your life. Uh, Jesus is, is the one that really gives meaning and substance and virtue to our life. And he's a provider. He's not a thief. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The first thing that we begin to walk in when the Lord is our shepherd is he begins to meet the needs of our life. Provision. Number two is rest. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. How many of you know that one of the major diseases in the world today is what we call hurry sickness? How many of you have ever been afflicted with hurry sickness? You're just running from one thing to the other, and not just physically, but mentally. Your brain is just always, always running. And, and what did Jesus say? I referred to this verse earlier. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm a big advocate of being responsible and working hard, but I'll tell you what, in addition to being responsible and working hard, we need to discover what it means to rest also. Uh, that's the principle. The principle of the Sabbath is there's a time to let go. Women love this. Leonard Sweet said, God did his most magnificent work while Adam was asleep. <laughs> this episode contains an important insight. When man rests, God works. Number three, the third thing that happens in our life when we really follow Jesus as our shepherd is peace. He leads me beside the still waters. I know some people are what we call adrenaline junkies. You know, they can't wait to jump out of airplanes or scale down the side of mountains or go whitewater rafting. And if you enjoy all that, great. But you know what? Sometimes 
We need peace. And Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When we receive Jesus as our shepherd, he leads me beside the still waters. There's a time for the rest and the peace. Number four, restoration. He restores my soul. Why would our souls need to be restored? Because the world just does everything in the world to beat our souls to a pulp. How many people, we hear so much about people who are abused, people who are harassed, people who are bullied, people who are tormented, people who are neglected, people who just, you know, experience all the painful things in life. Listen, we live in a fallen world. And, and, and the forces of this world want to dehumanize you and degrade you and try to take away your value from you. But David said, he restores my soul. Somebody said, by a carpenter, mankind was first made. And only by that carpenter can mankind be remade. He restores my soul. Number five, guidance. Guidance. When we follow the great shepherd, we have guidance. It doesn't mean we're omniscient. It doesn't mean we know everything. But David said, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. I'll tell you, God will lead us. Just in the back room before we came out, Miss Joy was talking about a book written by a friend of mine. It, it deals with, you know, how to keep your head on straight in a world gone crazy. And how many of you know we really can't look to the world uh, to determine our moral compass anymore? Uh, we can't look to the world's standards. God, the Bible says he leads us in paths. What kind of paths? Paths of righteousness. And notice he doesn't even do it for our sake. He does it for his sake. Because when we stay on the right path, when we make the right decisions, when we live a godly, ethical, moral life, it glorifies God. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Number six, when we follow the great shepherd, we have a sense of protection. I will fear no evil. Because you're with me. You know, fear runs rampant throughout the earth. And David said, I will fear no evil. I love what Proverbs 3.24 says. It says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. See, a lot of people, if you stay busy enough, you know, you don't have time to think about things. But a lot of times when people get quiet, that's when the enemy kind of begins to put tormenting, fearful thoughts. And I'll tell you, the enemy specializes in worst-case scenarios. The enemy specializes in catastrophic thinking, painting in your mind the worst possible scenario. What if this happens to your kids? What if this happens to your health? What if this happens to your finances? David said, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Number seven, he said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When we follow the great shepherd, number seven, we have a sense of comfort 
And, and the Holy Spirit, he is called the comforter. But David says about God, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was like a club that the shepherd would carry. And he didn't carry it to beat the sheep. Now, he might give the sheep an occasional nud, you know, little knock to get him in line. But the club was to defend against the wolf and the bear and the lion. And the staff was a longer pole that had a hook in it. And if the sheep would fall down, sheep were notorious if they would fall down. See, if Shrek had ever fallen Listen, that would have been the classic, I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> Literally, sheep, many sheep, if they get a little overweight or if they get too much wool, they cannot get back up and, and they will lie there and they will die. And the shepherd would use that hook on the end of the staff and if they were like down a little ledge and he couldn't reach them, he'd just use his hook and, and pull them back up. So the rod really represented the power of God. And the staff represented the compassion of God. And David said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Number eight, when we follow the great shepherd, we have a sense of satisfaction. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. What's more satisfying than a good meal? You prepare a table before me. Number nine, anointing, the presence, the person of the Holy Spirit in our life. You anoint my head with oil. Number 10, when we follow the great shepherd, he gives us, brings us into a place of abundance. Uh, my cup runneth over. I thought it was so cool. In the first verse, it says, I shall not want. That means your needs are met. But now, in verse 5, my cup runs over. That's not just your needs being met. That's more than enough. I like what somebody said. The pessimist says, my cup is half empty. The optimist says, my cup is half full. But the believer says, my cup runs over. When we follow the great shepherd. Number 11 is confidence. When we follow the great shepherd, there is a confidence, not an arrogance, not, not something that's ego, personally based, but there's a confidence in the goodness of God. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Because the more you get to know the shepherd, the more you know he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, and that his goodness and his mercy, they will follow you all the days of your life. And number 12, when we follow the great shepherd, we receive a sense of union, a sense of union. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We, we realize that, like Paul said in Romans chapter 8, nothing, nothing will ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to encourage you tonight just to remember that the Lord is our shepherd. 
Jesus didn't just call us to receive him as Savior. That's the appropriate and wonderful first step, but that's just the beginning. He wants to be our shepherd. He wants to lead us and guide us and meet our needs and lead us into peace and provision and all the things that are outlined here. Let's pray tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for this time together with this, this precious group of people. And Lord, I pray that the shepherd will be so real to each and every one of them. That, that whatever burdens they came in here with, those burdens will be, uh, just will cast those cares over upon you. And the person that came in under a cloud of darkness, uh, just, just a dark cloud of, of despair and discouragement, that light will break through that and hope will spring forth in their heart. And, and Lord, the, the people that came in, whatever cares they came in carrying, whatever frustrations, the pressures, Lord, the people under pressure will, will sense that pressure dissipating as, as, Lord, you just demonstrate and manifest your love to them. And Father, we thank you for helping us to walk with Jesus as our great shepherd. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe there are some people here tonight that you've never, you've never even taken that first step of, of surrendering your life to Jesus and making him the Lord of your life. You know, we, we, it's so important that we understand that God yearns to have a relationship with us and that because we've sinned and come short of the glory of God, then for us to really have a proper relationship with him, the first step is receiving his forgiveness. We need to understand there's not going to be any good people in heaven because nobody's good enough. There's not going to be any perfect people in heaven because nobody's perfect enough. There's not going to be any uh, religious people in heaven because religious people, nobody's religious enough. There's only going to be one type of person in heaven, and that's a forgiven person. And if you've never given your life to Jesus tonight, I'd like to lead us in a prayer right now. And, uh, and I just want you to say this out. How, let me ask you this question, just with heads bowed and eyes closed. How many of you with uplifted hand would say, Tony, you know, I need to take that step tonight. I need to receive Jesus as my Savior. I've never done that before. I need to receive him as my Savior so I can begin walking with him as my shepherd. Or maybe you'd say, hey, I need to pray tonight because, man, I'm like that sheep that was way off the path and I need to get back on the path tonight. Let me see your hand hold it up real high if that's you thank you I see one two three four I see five six seven eight nine looking way back in the in the uh, what I call it the balcony area 10 11 I'm looking all over uh, 12 13 14 15 16 I've seen 16 hands. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray together. I'm going to ask everybody here to pray this out loud. And this is, a, this is an avenue. This is a vehicle to just reach out to Jesus so that he can connect with us. Let's say this together. Say, dear God, I come to you tonight. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you love me so much. You sent Jesus to the cross. He died for my sin. He shed his blood for my forgiveness. And Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive tonight. He wants to be my savior. He wants to be my shepherd. And Jesus, I say yes to you. 
I receive your forgiveness and your acceptance. I surrender my life to you and I put my faith in you. And I thank you that I'm now forgiven. I'm now accepted. I'm now a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.